episode 15 of the all around podcast another screencast edition uh talk with my dad about film and television yes uh first story i guess would be wonder woman 1984 getting pushed from october 2nd to christmas uh and even though warner brothers won't say it it's clearly a reaction to tenet's tepid box office uh Box office gross uh, in its opening weekend. It made $20 million Labor Day weekend. Yeah, I know you thought it was going to make 50. I said 40. So we were both pretty, pretty off the mark. Um, well, I think that, uh, you know, word of mouth on tenant uh, is out. And it's basically the stuff that you said about, I need subtitles. I have no idea what they're saying in some part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of issues with the movie. Um, one thing that I, uh, one thing that I heard, which I think is, uh, an interesting thing that no one does with time. Mm-hmm. He tries to, um, make time something concrete in his movies, um, which he sort of, I think he tried to do that interstellar. And from what I understand, he tries to do something like that in this movie, and just you talking about when he tries to explain it well by explaining it time is this you know the fact that time is this fourth dimensional thing the idea of explaining something like that isn't isn't something you can easily pull off or even sometimes even truly visualize or present in a visual format he attempted to do that i think in his like multiple room thing in interstellar yeah. Or whatever that was, and I don't know how well that pulled off. Um, but between that and just the incomprehensibility of it that made it a mess, mm-hmm. this did not have the word of mouth benefit that I'd say a better movie might have had. Now, Wonder Woman and, and Tenet are definitely aiming at different, they're trying to achieve different things, they're aiming at different audiences for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't realize like how big the I can't hear anything because the audio mixing is kind of bad. It I didn't realize you. like yeah, it wasn't just realize, you, bro. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize how kind of pervasive that was um, until I started reading other reviews. It's like yeah, I, I didn't hear what they said. Um, I mean, it's with Wonder Woman. Uh, I think it's a smart move. I think it's smart. Yeah, it's smart. I just it's it's not surprising. I think that they said, "Oh, we're gonna give Tenant now." Tenant has like all of October to make more money, and it's just kind of like that Tenet's is. gonna ten, like Tenant's gonna make what it makes, but I it's just not you know it's it's not what they thought it was gonna be. Uh, it's not well, the the movie to bring everybody back into theaters. You know what but, they but, were. But the thing is, is people are still kind of. If they're not scared to go back to movie theaters, they don't want to sit in a theater with any sort of restrictions. Um, right. And and that ain't changing for the next few weeks. I think there's a good chance come Christmas, I think it'll be changed. I mean, I think, um, you know, you've heard me say this before. I think the direction the metrics are going um, and, you know, the likelihood of a vaccine being announced you know, easily a month before Christmas, some say even before the election, um, considering the fact you have three 
uh, firms deep into phase three right now. Um, well, I saw the thing about AstraZeneca. Somebody had a yeah. severe reaction and they had to like. Yeah, but they're turning, but, but they're turning it back on. Um, and, yeah. and also Pfizer, I think Pfizer is one of the other big three with Moderna. Pfizer went from having 30,000 in their phase two, phase three, and they're going to go up to 44 people as young as 16. So they are putting both feet on the gas pedal to get it out. That said, I'm not turning this into a COVID uh, vaccine discussion. Yeah. But that said, I think there's some there's a lot of positive forward momentum, but this momentum is not uh, going to manifest itself in a week or two. I think a couple months is going to take it. That said, football football being back, I think people are getting into the swing um, with metrics coming back. I think Christmas will be good. Wonder Woman, I don't want to call it brainless, but let's get real. This is not, um, you know, this ain't Russian literature, okay? This is not the Brothers Karamazov here. This is a movie to go and see, have fun. Um, right. So uh, I think people are going to look for fun. And come Christmas time, when things are done, I, I, think, I think Warner, if Warner wants to make any money with this, they have to release it at Christmas. Because otherwise, they basically shit the bed. Because they filmed this thing in 19. Their whole game plan to put it off to 2020 was so they could make more money with it. At some point, if you don't put it out with the amount of money they hope to make, if you don't put it out at Christmas, you basically got to kick it to the end of April with Summer yeah. Blockbuster. And you can't. You got to do it at Christmas. So Right. Um, you know. And then, you know, January, February, it can just rack up all that, all those trash dates as well. Um just because nothing comes out in January, uh, normally, normally. Well, but um, but 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 at the same time, what the hell's what the hell would have been made in the last six to eight months? Um, right. You know, I, I think there's there's a vacuum dynamic that they might be able to leverage. But right. it's got to be good and it's got to be fun. So uh, I think with uh, just Warner and Tenant and all that stuff, it just the problem was if it was like a better reviewed movie if it had reviews like similar to dunkirk it probably would have done a little better but i think they just they got too caught up in the whole christopher nolan let's bring back you know i want this to be seen in a theater da, 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 da. and i understand los angeles and new york i understand they're still closed down they're two very big markets i get it but let's not act like that was gonna just turn everything around um i think that would be my biggest piece of advice. I don't even know when those two places are going to open back up and let people go to what, theaters again. Well, New York, New York ought to, I mean, with the way the metrics are, but they're just choosing not to a LA. That's the thing. The numbers are turning. It's just a matter of when, right. I mean, there's some, there's some discussion that there's a little bit of a, um, let, let, let's put it to you this way. There's a lot that's been said that don't be shocked if everything opens up after the election day. <laughs> right. I got you. So uh, anyways, um, so you excited about Wonder Woman or no? I'm, I'm excited for a fun, light experience in the movie theater. I think Anne that would motivate Anne, who is not my wife, who is not trying to my go. Class. Yes. <laughs> for those who don't know. She is not trying to, she's still not feeling any now, you know, she's in the healthcare industry. So she just says, I'll believe it when, you know, when I hear from more that things are cool 
um, that's when I'll be comfortable going out to eat and likely going to a movie. And and I think in three months, four months, right? One, two, three months. Um, yeah, three and a half. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think I think we'll be I think we'll be close to there. So, well, in other news, you? oh, uh, you know, yeah, like I'm I'm interested in it. It's I think it'll be good. I mean, I think Patty Jenkins is talented. I I'm just the I told you my biggest thing is like how are they going to make the Steve Trevor thing. How is that going to work? Because one of my issues in movies <laughs> is when you present the sacrifice in a movie, and it's kind of been a complaint with Marvel early on. When you when you have the sacrifice, it's like okay, that's like the necessary thing to to like when there's like the triumph, you know, it came with great sacrifice and all this other stuff. So okay, you're kind. It seems like you're kind of voiding this big moment that happened in the first one that kind of unleashed her. When he dies in the first one, she completely unleashes and goes ham so, on Aries. So, so there are so like, there are some Reddit threads. I know you out told me you told me there are Reddit threads that justify the, the, it. All of a sudden, you told me. Well, it doesn't really justify. It just sort of it actually explains a bit about uh, the Cheetah character and her. Uh, yeah, okay. So, you know. well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but in other news. Um, the trailer for the Denis Villeneuve's Dune adaptation, which is going to come out like a week before Christmas, and it's Warner again. So, so why did this? Why did this movie need to be made? Because there was a nineteen 1980- eighty, and Warner owned it. Uh, I assume so. They're making the movie. Um, and yeah, like, so so I saw the I saw this thing and, and and it's funny to look online and a lot of people put up uh, pictures of the pod race in uh, the first uh, prequel that came out uh, in '99 or whatever because animated. it has that very yeah yeah the very dusty sort of look and there's a kid mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, I guess the 1984 movie was is widely considered pretty bad, mm-hmm. um, and and I guess I'm. I'm just like, okay, I, the specul- I, did people think like the story was basically unfilmable and now maybe it's more filmable because, you know, special effects are better. We could probably pull it off. The, the budget, well, looks, the budget looks like it's $200 million. I mean, yeah, it looks it's, like it's, it's part one, high. part two. This is like the part one. Uh, this isn't everything. Uh, I think the second one's supposed to come out late 2021. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, but um, they think I, this is going to, I mean, the way that, no, they the think this is going to be huge. Yeah. The way that they've casted this and you can tell the money they've thrown at it. And frankly, the director they got doing, it's done great stuff. He's so, done great stuff, but he is not the four quadrant type of director. You know, he is not the guy who's going to make a film for everybody. He's not going to make a, I would even he's not gonna make a like tenant or an inception or a you know uh a Marvel DC type movie. He is gonna make what he wants to make. So uh, so 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 what do they hope that this is? Do they hope that this is the Mad Max sort of thing where it's like extremely well reviewed and people love it, but because of the nature of the movie, it's just gonna be I mean, this is gonna be rated R like Mad Max. I assume it's a PG thirteen. Yeah, thing. I assume it's PG thirteen. So it, I think the is, audience is broader. But is that is is are they just looking for something that's 
fantastic vision. There's enough familiarity with the IP that will draw some people in, but it's never going to be the $500 million movie. Yeah, like in a, in a normal. Gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say it's not gonna. It's not a 500 million dollar movie. It's definitely not a eight to one, eight hundred to one billion dollar type movie. It's not that. So it's just kind of like, okay, you're giving this guy a lot of money again, and you, you know, I mean, Warner Brothers didn't give him the money on. Well, no, they did give him. They partially funded Blade Runner 2049. Blade Runner 2049, very good. It bombed. It lost like a hundred million dollars. Now, right. a lot of that is because it's like, what are you doing putting 180, 170 million into a Blade Runner movie in general? Because the first Blade Runner is seen as a cult classic. It's not like it was Star Wars, like this super popular. Yeah, I think thing. I think it didn't really make much money then. I mean. No, it, it bombed. It, it like the it cost thirty million. It made thirty four. Like it bombed, and then later on, as years went on, it, it got all this acclaim. Uh, well, there's 17 different versions of it that you can get. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The director's cut, ultimate cut, theatrical cut. Uh, it, I think with this, though, watching the trailer, it is very, it is um, just looking at the color palette with the muted colors. It is, I mean, what I is and what I'm gonna like about this movie, or what I I think already appreciate about it is the the director writer. I mean, he got to make. He, he got to make his movie. Uh, this is not a thing where, like, the studio came in and did whatever. I mean, he talked, Denis Villeneuve talked about when he signed on to do Dune, he's like, Oh, I've always, I've always wanted to do Dune, always, because I feel like I can do it right. I feel like I can, you know, I feel like I can make the best movie possible with Dune. So, and the thing was, he said the same thing about Blade Runner and doing a sequel to Blade Runner, how he's like, he couldn't believe he got that opportunity. And that was really good. Obviously, Prisoners is awesome. Sicario is awesome. Uh, like I Arrival, think... Arrival's great. Yeah, Arrival is very good. And that's the, that's something that kind of gives me hope because Arrival made a hundred million domestic, and it's like wow, that movie... that was a super heady movie. Like, yeah, and it and it made movie. it made money. Like, and that was something that kind of surprised me. Uh, well, so but but so so here's what the, it needs to pull off for its success. It's multiple movies, big budget. There's a world that the plot overlays that's relatively complex. And, and if you overlay, give me some sort of larger epic movie, multiple movies with a world that's successful. I, I'd look at Lord of the Rings, probably yeah. even more than Star Wars. But yeah, that, and that movie did such a great job of laying out the world from the prequel talk at the beginning to, to just explaining it as the narrative pushed through. Mm. Um, it, it did, did such a great job of, you may not know this though. A lot of people do, but we will tease it out. So you will never feel lost. So you can enjoy the narrative. Because yeah, sometimes from- story like this where there's where there's these big worlds, you'll see narrative points and you have no idea to the context of what's going on. So it's really important with Dune where there seems to be, you know, the impression is there's a lot of complexity there. Well, um, from what I've how heard, does it do from that? From what I've heard, it's like people who've read it, it is like, yeah, there's you have to like go to the glossary, like with the references in the book to like know exactly what they're talking about, you know. Because that was the thing when I heard the thing on the flop house. So he's like, oh, young Paul Atreides, uh, who's trying to become the Hussat Hadrak. 
of yeah. a, the planet Arrakis, and it's like I don't know what a Quisatz Hatterak is, or you know the yes, uh, Arrakis is the spice planet that they're talking about. Uh, I will say the sandworm shot is pretty cool, and uh, that and, was and the most cool. amazing shot from the 1984 movie. They yeah. they they say in the 1984 movie. I've only seen bits and pieces of it because it just looks. I mean, you watch it now, you might as well just like pluck your eyes out with with shrimp forks when you mm-hmm. try to watch it because the effects are so bad. But um, they they found a way to capture the scale of those sandworms or whatever you call it in the and remember, movie. here is the mind killer. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I would like the cast is amazing. I remember when they put out like the cast last year; it was just ridiculous. Oscar Isaac going from one big sci-fi franchise to another. Wonder if he has any complaints. Um, I'm just, <laughs> I'm sure he won't because it's Denis Villeneuve and he's doing whatever he wants to do. Uh, well, but it's well, like... well, 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 well. Here's the deal. He actually knows he's with an artist who, and which we'll get into this, who doesn't really care about anything else other than making his movie on his terms. His his vision. Yeah. Yes. The auteur uh, aspect. And any actor who, who's got half a brain in their skull is going to say, I want to work with these people. Um, mm. So uh, not, not, not that Oscar Isaac will complain, but anyone who does, um, unless behind, you know, behind it all, it's just a hot mess, though I have not heard a damn thing no, I remotely it. about that at all. Like um, he, I mean, one, they probably gave him space, but two, I mean, he's, people love uh, working, working with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But co-writers other than Villeneuve, Eric Roth, who wrote The Insider, Munich, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, The Star is Born, uh, and John Spates, who wrote, I know he's a co-writer on Doctor Strange. He did write Passengers, co-writer on Prometheus, well... co-writer on The Mummy. Well, so are we actually, do they actually even throw his name out there when they talk about who the writers are? That's yeah, a, he's credited. A, it's a 0 for 3. <laughs> Doctor Strange? No, no, Passengers. Yeah, Passengers. The Mummy. The mummy. Is the mummy. I would say two, 2 for 4. Although I think Passengers was, uh, it was co-written by someone else. Or I think that script was messed with. <laughs> Because uh, supposedly it was a lot darker than what the movie ended up being. I thought Prometheus was the lost, wasn't that Lindelof? And he, was it Lindelof and him? Or am I yeah, Lindelof, the, Lindelof uh, co- Yeah, Lindelof was a co-writer. I think he got okay. it after Spades. Ridley Scott directed it, obviously. Okay. okay. Uh, but also, um, I don't know. I'm more interested. I'm just intrigued by what that's going to be. Like, I know what I'm getting with Wonder Woman. Uh that's just I'm, i just don't really know what that's going to be like so uh it'll be interesting music by that was the on zimmer, Hans zimmer yeah zimmer did that movie instead of tenet you know that it was could, he told it, nolan no it could be great in but how even how great it is uh due to the nature of what it is how does it do in like pulling in a super broad audience. I mean, if it's great, you're going to have people seeing it multiple times. But when a, that but a small time, minority. When what that is the runtime? Run it's not out yet. I'm saying when that is released, you'll get a good idea of what this kind, kind of movie is. Anything under 220, I'm like, okay, this can make a lot of money. But if it gets that Blade Runner 2049, that 
245, three hours. It's like, oh, okay. Denis Villeneuve just did a Gatsby all over this thing, you know, just that all the fireworks <laughs> going going off in the background. But uh, the, yeah. sand, the sandworm takes 22 minutes to come out of the ground. Yeah, and we, exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, we'll see. That, but, um, but the thing about it is, is like, it's like, is the big end piece of the movie the sandworm coming out of the? I mean, is that is that going to be? I it? hope not. I, well, you wonder because it's part one, right? I yeah, mean, is that... I, I hope it's not like that where it's like almost like Clash of the Titans when you know the Kraken. They talk about the Kraken for an hour and a half, and the Kraken shows up for ten minutes, and it's like, oh, okay, that's it. I mean, this is going to be better than Clash of the Titans, but I'm just saying in terms of just that anticipation. They yeah. show they show the Kraken and all the marketing material. He's in the movie. For five minutes so you know we'll see but uh another trailer that i i put on the notes was the enola holmes trailer it was millie bobby brown on netflix okay about... based on like a kid book series right yeah and the reason i put it on there was because reviews have been out for this movie for a while and it's been getting great reviews is it um, up on the is it up on the um um website that shall not be named site yet i mean it hasn't no been released on netflix yet no, it doesn't release till the twenty third. But oh, it's got a 90 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, sixty nine on Metacritic. Nice. Uh, so I thought it looked. I mean, it's very British, so I think it'll be like quick. Well, never mind. It's a hundred. It's two hours long. Uh, but I don't know. It looks pretty good. Superman and um, what's his face from. Hunger Games is in it, playing her older brothers, Sherlock and Mycroft. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of, like, how she's, like, turning to the camera and is, like, you know, I'm looking for my mom, like, eight times. It's like, okay, we get it. Like, get on with it. Yeah, that's, like, this is weird. This is a weird cross-genre sort of movie because it has this sort of, you know, it takes the classic British detective stuff that you could throw up on acorn or any of your um you know pull it up on sunday morning on pbs when they're slinging for dollars and let's get into whatever sort of mystery thing that we're doing but then they throw in this um teenage girl thing of let's talk to the camera as i go through everything that i'm doing and all this stuff and it's so and and I know that that's sort of the cross appeal is what they're going for is to find this. Okay, let's take this thing that is out there and let's put it on its head a bit and and give it these. Uh, I don't want to say tropes, but have it have the style of a movie from 2020, um, as compared to, hey, a tight sort of uh, you know mystery movie like we spoke of a couple episodes ago. Um, what uh, uh the uh, the uh, Poirot movie? What's it called? The one on oh, the boat in Egypt. Um, Murder on the Death, that was not a, Death that on the Nile. Not, that was not. Uh, that was not a tight movie though. Murder on the no Orleans, no no right? no. But 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 it's stuck to. It's oh, not it's trying to, to one location. Well, but it's not trying to pull in tropes from stylistic tropes from, as I saw it, modern movies like, hey, let's have Poirot talk to the camera. Um, oh yeah, a bit. I mean, and, and let's 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 you know well, the, for, the fourth well, wall. He does do the narration of like you know I'm the greatest 
detective, I will find your killer. Like, he has these monologues where it's, like, basically the same thing. Yes, but he's not looking dead on at the camera, like, talking to you. It's like, hey, how you doing? I know I'm a... I don't care how cute you are, you precocious little bastard, basically. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm like, okay, so this is one of these movies. Yeah. Fine, fine, you know, you know, Millie Bobby Brown, people are going to go see her. Uh, you got Superman and the other dude. It's like fine. And uh, um, Helena Bonham Carter's in it, so so it'll, it'll get you know, kind of wacky, I'm sure. Yes, quirky English. Uh, you know, chick, written so, by yeah. Jack Thorne, who wrote. Uh, he did the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child play. He wrote that movie Wonder. Um, also, the Aeronauts. So is this going to be released in the theater? Or is this only a no? Netflix it's Netflix. Show? Netflix it's on purely the Netflix. Purely Netflix. Purely Netflix. Although, production company... I think this was bought by Netflix. It was probably supposed to be released because production company Legendary Pictures or Warner Brothers Pictures. Okay, so I'm so sure they this, sold it. So this theater... And no, it is not on. It is not up on the site this should be named. So they've done a good job at hiding the screen. Okay. Screening. Um, the thing that I'm trying to figure out is this was based on a book series that was out for a few years and and i'm like this has too much budget these have these have actors in it with too much upside that they're going to want to do multiple yep ones of these even though it has the potential to be it this ain't going to be a series i mean there's just not i mean millie bobby brown is kind of on a bit of a mini rocket ship i think from you know she's got too much broad appeal yeah but you know, if Netflix is going to pay her and her other endeavors, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, um, maybe not doing as great, why not? I, is is Netflix going to be willing to throw the money to have this franchise created? I mean, I mean, they seem to cut off pretty successful TV series after two seasons. It's like, I mean... Well, we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like the trailer. I was more interested in the trailer because it was getting such good reviews, really. Um, so, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think when is it? Wait, tra- when is it? Oh, it releases September twenty like third on a Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. Um, another trailer that came out was uh, Freaky, which is a Blumhouse like horror comedy. So, what's the budget on this? I saw the I saw the preview, and I'm like, um, okay, this this could be. I I am. I mean, this is a perfect Vince Vaughn vehicle if he does it right. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's the same guy who directed, uh, same guy who directed Happy Death Day, which is I don't know if you know. It's like Groundhog Day. This this girl, she's in college, I think. On her birthday, she gets killed by this killer, and she restarts the day. And when she restarts the day, she has to find out who killed her. And I've seen a little bit of it. It's pretty funny. Like it's a you know it's gimmicky concept, but it's it's a solid movie. Where the, you know eighty one minutes or whatever, uh, w- with credits, and it's just yeah, just have fun, just come along for the ride. I'm trying to see the budget for this. Um, it, can't, it can't be. It's probably one of his more expensive ones, which means it could be as much as because the talent ten, ten to fifteen million dollars. I mean, it yeah, more than that. I mean, uh. So essentially, the if for those who haven't seen it, the the point of the whole it's like Freaky Friday, but yes, a high school 
girl and a serial killer switch bodies. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like he has, he's about to kill her, but then they switch bodies. So it's, you know, and Vince Vaughn is, uh, it's interesting to see him kind of back doing more comedic stuff after he was doing those, those movies with the guy who did a uh, bone tomahawk. Um, like, the, like prison prison stuff and brawl and cell block 99 yeah, yeah which was yeah. well reviewed like he was doing like good stuff it's not like it was bad but just ultra low budget stuff uh or, or him going really against type when he played what was the what was the movie where he plays the sergeant with the with the oh, amazing yeah. spider-man uh, the amazing, yeah amazing Axel spider-man is the pacifist or whatever he was really yeah, good yeah. in that yeah he was good it's just like wow okay that's not it's not the um it's not the sort of thing I think of Vince Vaughn doing because how do you get away from him if not swingers, wedding crashers, or whatever? It's just, well, but, it but it's, re- it's fun to see him leaning. I mean, if he can really lean into this, but but what's classic about this is, yep, just like Anola Holmes, like girls talking directly at the camera. <laughs> it's like, yep, it's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, well, the part where when he tries, he's trying to, or she in Vince Vaughn's body, trying to prove to her friends that it's her. And he does the cheer, like the high school cheer. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I can, I'll, I'll probably, I'll watch this. Uh, just because like it legitimately like got a laugh out of me. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, and I'm sure it's again, one of those like sub 90 minutes, turn it on, just go with the gimmick and have fun. Um, and that releases what? November 13th. Be- yeah. 10 days before, uh, 10 days before Thanksgiving. You know, that is going to appeal to that 18 to 35, whatever group. They yeah. are not, you know, give them a movie to go see in the theater. That thing will probably make pretty good money. It'll give, give them a reason to go to the movie. Kids, kids ain't afraid of COVID. And I, I suspect that would, do, that would do pretty well. I'm trying to see how much did Happy, Happy Death Day made. One hundred twenty-five and a half million on a four and a half million dollar budget. God, uh, Happy Death Day to you, the second one, which actually was also pretty well reviewed. Surprisingly, like that hold wasn't. Hold on, did one, that to you? Was that to you the number two, two and the letter, letter U? Yes. Of course, of course, it was. Uh, budget nine million <laughs> made sixty-four and a half, so still made a profit, just not as not as big of a profit. Um, so yeah, I'm sure it'll. I'm sure it'll do well uh, either way, even if it's released on PVOD early on. So I love it. I love it. It was filmed in Atlanta. It took 35 days to shoot. Yeah, <laughs> ta- tax credits in Atlanta. Oh, I, I mean, Blumhouses, they're just geniuses. Great business model. Geniuses, yes. Uh, so I do want to talk about, and I guess our first real news story, there's this Western that's getting made at Netflix uh, with an all black cast. And it's a very good cast. Regina King, Lakeith Stanfield, Delroy Lindo, um, Zazie Beat or Zazie Beats. Uh, who's that, in Atlanta. It's, it's, it's Zazie? Yeah. She was, she was like born in Germany. It's like pronounced like Zazie or something. Zazie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think Eddie, I think it's Githegi. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, who played, um, if you remember Darwin in X-Men First Class. Uh, wow. He was, also in, he was also in Gone Baby Gone. Um, he's in it. 
RJ Siler from Power Rangers is in it. Cast is great. And Idris, Idris Elba's in it, right? Yeah, that's right. Idris Elba's in it as well. He plays, um, I think he plays the villain. Uh, and Jonathan Majors, who's in the show Lovecraft Country, he's also in it. Uh, and, you know, I'm reading about the cast and I'm like super excited. I'm like, oh, that could be really good. It being on Netflix, because I think Netflix has all these promising casts and everything, and the movies just seem to be super half-baked. A movie actually just came out with Tom Holland and Robert Pattinson and uh, Sebastian Stan. Uh, and it's got this all-star cast. It's got like a 60% around tomatoes. And it's like, okay, I don't know what they were doing. So super excited. And then uh, I see the director is a first-time director. Yes. James Samuel, who's a British rapper. The- the bullets. the bullets, yes, yes, British rapper, and it's produced by, by him, produced by Jay Z, yeah. Well, and Lawrence Bender, I mean, Lawrence Bender, you know, who Lawrence Bender is right, uh, fill me in, uh, a band apart. He produced Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, okay, okay. with Tarantino. Pretty... I, I, th- when I saw who the director. Um, I know co-writer Corin, was that really yeah. is like written by him and Ooh. Boaz Yakin or Yakin who did remember the Titans but he hasn't really done a lot of great movies um, actually let me look up his filmography because I know I, people are going to be like oh boy, remember yeah, yeah, yeah but I, I, and I'm not saying the guy can't be now good, but, but it does concern Prince of me. Persia, a... The Sands of Time, oh. The Rookie, uh, the 2012 Jason Statham action film, Safe. So <laughs> I think that's the, is that the one with Jennifer Lopez? Uh, the, uh, you know, all no, the Jason Statham movies sort of blend together. I mean, the only Jason Statham movie that he is sort of the main guy on. That is any uh, that I think is any good is the bank, the bank job. job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I which, which is not like a typical Jason Statham movie. I mean, it's no, really... it's not. Um, you're telling me you don't like the transporter? <laughs> it, that, that is one of those. For what it is, I need my mind turned off completely to watch. Maybe, but um, I mean Statham, he was also in the Italian Job. Italian Job was all right. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, where Jason Statham is the guy. Yeah. Oh, the lead. Okay. So, so, um, you know, what, what ge- gives me pause of this is, okay, um, you get this one dude who's going to direct and co-write and he really hasn't, you know, I think he's done some music videos. I don't even know if he's done that. He's more of a musician. He's done, producer. yeah, music right. videos, short films, but the short films are connected to music videos. It's not like he's making these little artsy story-based type things uh right. but it's like you know netflix you got a pretty good relationship with ava duvernay i'm not saying you get ava duvernay but like yeah but jay-z this is jay-z's thing jay-z's the one if you're a producer you're the one who's finding the talent in yeah, front and behind true. the camera i mean i mean i mean and trust me netflix is just i mean there's nothing against jay-z or this story netflix is writing checks i mean they're just trying to get anything to throw up yeah on the, and it's uh, just thing. i mean i I just, this is something where you have all this talent in front of the camera, but behind the camera, it's like, what, what are you doing? So, you know? so I have to ask you, I have to ask if you've ever, so I, so I just saw the notes as we were talking about this, like, oh, all black Western, huh? 
Yeah. Back in 1993, there was a little movie out there that came out that was really hyped oh, up. Lord. The All Black uh, Western Posse. Is this the one with Mario Van Peebles? Mario Van Peebles. Do you know? Do you know who's in that cast? If, uh, if I, is Wesley Snipes in it? Wesley Snipes is not he is? in it. No, oh. he is not. He is not in it. Big but Daddy I'm, Kane. Big Tiny Daddy Lister. Kane. Tiny Lister. Tone Loke. <laughs> Billy Zane. He's the Hudlin brothers were in it. Of course, Billy Zane is in it. The Hudlin um, brothers are in it. Are you kidding? Pam yeah, Greer. yeah, yeah. Hi, Pam Greer. Uh, Isaac Hayes. Okay, Nipsey Russell. I'm yeah, sure you, I'm I mean sure that's a little. I mean, these people are legit actors. Like, Blair Underwood know? was in it. Uh, Reggie Reginald Val Johnson. Do you know him? Okay. Do you know uh, who he was? If I see him, I think I'd know him. He's the cop from Die Hard. And oh, fa- uh, Carl? Carl. Carl. Carl, Carl, Carl. Yeah. yes, from yeah. Family Matters, yes. Yeah, I know and, I know that he's Carl, and, but I, I'm like, yeah, the Die Hard thing got me. Over. And I don't know, one of yeah, the other, that, one of the other so Baldwin cool. brothers, one of the, like, the Baldwin brother who's most known for making movies with Pauly Shore, so. Uh, Stephen Baldwin. Yes. So, he's in The so Usual not, Suspects, though. Faison loves oh. in it. I like Faison love. I'm just saying that movie wasn't very good, but it's yeah, like okay, like, this is, I mean, this is very this is very different. Okay, this is like is it trying to be like highbrow? Because Ponzi sure. definitely was not like if no, a movie's I, got tiny Lister in it and he's not a no, 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 got no, no. a guy like, in jail, the, it ain't gonna be that highbrow. Is, so. But this is I don't think it's gonna be bad. Like I don't think it's gonna be terrible. I just think it's going to be like middling and kind of mediocre. That's my thing. I just think, look, when you have that many great actors and you got like, those are, and they are great actors. Like Lakeith Stanfield, Regina King, Delroy Lindo, Idris Elba, like those are great actors. There is going to be like a, they read the script. They're going to go to the director in between takes like, Hey, I think it'd be better if I kind of say it like this or do it like this. Uh, And who knows? He could surprise, like it could be great. I don't, but I, I just think it's going to be another half baked, 67% 67% on Rotten Tomatoes, 58 on Metacritic. It's got some fun parts, but it is not a, it is not a movie that is like this rewatchable thing. Um, but but, just, but that's the question. Is it is it trying to be like is it trying to because is it trying to have these huge cultural messages messages about it or I mean, is is this some script that just someone wrote and it's like, holy shit, this is the best thing I've ever seen? Or is it, no, it's just like a Western that we're going to get a whole bunch of talent together and just make a Western and it's kind of whatever. Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Like, I really do because, look, if he co-wrote, like, I'm I'm trying to give the bullets, James Samuel, I'm trying to get him to give him the benefit of the doubt. (laughs) It seems like he's a talented guy. Seems like a passion project of his. Like he wants to make this movie. I just, I just think going to Netflix. I feel like there's a thing with Netflix where Netflix is, doesn't really have tight production schedules, and there is no necessity of the mother of invention type thing. They just kind of let it. Hey, just hey, do what you want. So and so I so what you're saying is, so so what in a nice way what you're saying is. Well, with Netflix, there's no quality control, so this could be good or yeah. bad. Netflix doesn't care, as compared to a traditional movie studio that is going to look at scripts and look at productions and see if they're willing to put the money behind it. They actually will likely have some level of quality control, as compared to Netflix saying, 
hey, you can get it in at what time? Okay, cool. We can put it up then. How much money do you need? Okay, good. Sounds good. Who's in it? Okay, yep. Great, great, great. Enough people watch it. It's fine. Yeah, hmm. like that's what I, you know, that's what I think is just that's where the movie's going to kind of go wrong. Is that you got a first time, first timer, and you're going to kind of let him do whatever he's going to want to do. And I think that's what's going to hurt the movie. Also, you know, if Jay Z's the one putting up the money to make this movie, you Jay, know. trust me, when you're a producer like that, Jay Z isn't putting up all the money. Jay Z's putting up a little bit of the money, and then he's talking other people into giving the money. The trick is, though, how does Netflix monetize that? It's not like, okay, you're the producer, and so how are you making money on this after the fact? It's like, I know how, like, Steven Spielberg made a shitload of money as a producer of. Uh, Jurassic Park and all that other stuff or, or, or whatever. Um, or Peter Jackson got really, really rich with Lord of the Rings. Look at all the tickets that got sold. When you saw the Netflix, it's like, okay. So uh, are you just amassing talent and you'll just get paid a flat fee for the talent? I'm, I mean, yeah, that's kind of what Netflix does. But no, I, that's my hesitation about... That is my hesitation with right. that project in general. Right. Is just... Uh, you know, people are going to, you know, when the movie is about to come out, people are going to talk about representation and all this other stuff. And what's going to happen is it's going to get middling reviews. And then people, there's going to be this narrative that, you know, there is, there's going to be this narrative that, oh, a majority of the critics didn't like it. They're white and they don't, you know, the movie's not made for them. And it's like, no, they just, they probably just made a, a movie that just wasn't that great, you know? That's and I would like them to just make a good movie. Uh, obviously, representation matters, but it's like all black cast. I mean, hey, it's got potential to be good. I just, I just don't think it will be. Uh, in other news, Mulan has had a fair <laughs> bit of uh, backlash because a lot of the movie was filmed in Jinjiang. Jin actually, actually, from what I've read, most of the movie was filmed in Australia. But <laughs> in wow. But enough, I'm sorry, New Zealand, but enough of it was filmed. They filmed some of it in certain locations for the, for the views. And yes, at the end of the movie, they literally thanked um, the folks that are running the camps. um, Yes. So in the, the Weezhang province, forgive the pronunciation. Um, that is where the Chinese government have been detaining the Uyghurs uh, in mass internment camps. Um, Disney filmed some of the movie there. And in the credits of Mulan, yes, they thanked the authorities in the province. And a lot of uh, backlash has uh, has uh, hit Disney. Um, and, you know, people have like, you know, boycott Mulan hashtags like that's really going to do anything. Uh, but I mean, this is you know, making hey, hey. a hashtag doesn't make you a doesn't make you this civil rights figure. Let Let's just be honest. Looking at you, hashtag Oscar so white. Um, but like, I mean, we talked about this last week or no, two weeks ago, where it's like. If it's going to make money or if it's going to do whatever. Well, also, the problem was early on when they said they were going to make Mulan. This is the point I really want to make. When they said they were going to make Mulan, people were like, well, you better have an all Chinese cast because representation matters. 
and you better film in China because da 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 da. Like those were literal. Like if you go back and see the articles from 2017, 2018, everybody was talking about how representation matters. And Disney came out and said, "Well, we interviewed Ang Lee, and Ang Lee said he didn't want to do it. And we interviewed, you know, Zhang Yimou, who did that movie, The Great Wall. He also did Hero. Hero is very good. It's not like The Great Wall is his only movie, but like." Great, he, great wall great wall is a weird movie <laughs> yeah it's it's garbage um but it's like you know all these people because they just wanted to be the the social justice warrior and like which representation matters and this needs to honor china and all this other stuff and then now they film part of it in, in china and now it, it's it's like well that's not right because they're committing human rights abuses and it's, no it, hold on hold on it's not just like they film part of it in china like they literally filmed part of it, like right next to where the camps are at now. I'm assuming that they filmed it while that was going on. You know, we've only recently found out about it, probably uh, in the last year. I'm, I think it's been going on for longer than that. But but as I've said before, Disney doesn't care. They hope that nothing. Here's the deal. They're not really going to talk about it. Someone commented, uh, someone from Disney commented on it. Um, I think had a one second comment and I cannot find it, but it basically say, yeah, I understand there's like a lot of um, people are having a lot of problems with it. And uh, it has generated a lot of issues for it. It has generated a lot of issues and we'll leave it at that. So it's like, okay, right, right. So Disney will say nothing more than that. They, Disney, like any major multinational corporation, is going to say whatever they need to say in order to get the least amount of people pissed off at them when it comes right down to it. It, Disney says, well, we care about representation. They care about representation to the extent it makes them the most amount of money. And, And it keeps them from a whole bunch of hashtags. Because somehow major corporations think that people tweeting about stuff that only six or seven percent of the world, there's only 100 million people or 150 million people in total on Twitter. There are more people on the Chinese equivalent of Twitter because, hey, heads up, even though Chinese people, China People's Daily puts stuff on Twitter all the time, no one in China is allowed to be on Twitter. So, I mean, but the fact that Twitter sort of, drives all this yaya and these companies just buy into it okay i mean guess what so so you you are answering to them and that's your ass i mean now now it's getting handed to you the other thing though about the boycott mulan thing um that was because what's her the lead actress supported the Hong Kong police mainly. No, but 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 the funniest thing though I read there there's a great article up there in the Global Times, um, and and I just have to I just have to read the summary. Uh, it, it basically says that the movie in China is a flop. Um, it has not done well, and it's it has not done poorly because of this perceived Western backlash um, about... um, Probably done poorly because it is so Americanized. Yes, it basically... I just have to to read um, the last paragraph of um, 
of this article is a great summary. In sum, it is if a group of white first-year Asian studies majors got a U.S. $200 million budget to produce a film on Mulan for their first semester final project, knowing just enough to get themselves in trouble, but not enough to realize the gravity of their errors. So, so really, like, you know, they, they basically use, there's a lot of anachronistic stuff that's in there that a lot of people and a lot of Chinese people would know. And mm-hmm. it's like clearly wrong. And people are like, yeah, this ain't nothing. And this is not a Chinese story. This is a Disney princess story. Yeah. And okay, yeah, this, this is kind of whack. Though I love this sort of slap. Um, it basically reduces Disney to the, what was the sketch on uh, Saturday Night Live of the kids who go to Michigan State that are into Japanese culture? Oh, um, <laughs> J-Pop's America Fun Time Now. Yes, the, the, it, it basically slaps Disney and the $200 million budget into um, pretty much the J-Pop America Fun Time Now, which yes. is which is like yes yes and obviously that's japanese as compared to chinese but but the concept of yeah it's a bunch of it's a bunch of bunch of folks american folks american white folks that kind of don't know shit about china or what they know is just enough that they're that they convinced disney to write this check because they've got some script and um and it's like okay let's do it and they just shit the bed. I mean, they totally just well. That's like there. So the actor, this guy Simu Simu Liu, who's gonna play Shang Chi in the Marvel movie, he huh? go, goes on Twitter and he goes, you know, I'm kind of tired of seeing all these movies about like Asians or that just talk about. I need to honor my family. <laughs> like it's all about honor and honor. It's like, yeah, I'm just kind of tired of seeing the same thing in all these predominantly, predominantly Asian cast movies where it's all about, you know, honor. And it's just like, yeah, well, <laughs> that's one way to look at it. And it's just interesting. Cause it's like, you're, you're on a Marvel movie owned by Disney. So it'll just be interesting if there's a little, I don't know. I mean, he, he's not going to come out, obviously, like apologize or anything. I'm just interested to see if something kind of happens behind the scenes with that. I doubt anything will. D- Disney, but... Disney, Disney ain't saying shit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this mm-hmm. guy's already in. They've already filmed the movie. Disney's licking their wounds. They're already invested with folks. They're not going to say a damn. They ain't going to say nothing right now. I'm not saying they're yeah. going to say anything. I just think something just might happen. Uh... <laughs> We're gonna kill them off at the end of the first movie. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, not yes, exactly. there won't be a sequel here. Yeah, we thought about it, but we, you know, a week ago yeah, we decided to change. Like, mind. You know, it'll just it'll be interesting. Uh, this this listen, this is incredible. Black Eye. Somewhere I read that less than, and and I don't have the evidence of it, but it's like less than two million people push the button on Disney Plus domestically <sighs> to uh, to buy it. Oh. Which is which is bad. I mean, the break even. If it was just going to break even on America alone, it was about eight and a half million, and if less than two million. million people did it. So you, the first, so you've got like at best, I think middling reviews. I mean, I no, you know the reviews are actually positive. I mean, it's like seventy something percent Rotten Tomatoes. And I and 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 how much of that is the? Well, you know, we don't want to say anything bad because you know. It's like a, 
it's we want to be inclusive. We want to like it and stuff. And and I'm wondering, did they get the extra ten points there? Because I saw it, I have no urge to see it again. It's not bad, but it's forgettable to me. Yeah, there's it's nothing just, it's, there. There's nothing. No, just nothing, nothing there. And no, and I think no Ocean's Thirteen. Like, last thing, and also everyone wants to like a Disney movie, so it's gonna there, automatically. There are have... movies. There are movies that are empty, kind of like mindless stuff, but it's pretty pretty re- rewatchable. So if you see like Sherlock Holmes, like Sherlock Holmes 09 with Robert Downey Jr., like not a great movie, but like it's there is something to it where it's like, eh, it's on. I'll put it on, you know. It's interesting. Hmm. Uh Dodgeball. I mean, there's just tons well, of movies. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to say like a more action oriented, like I mean Guy Ritchie's kind of the king of that, just and he did Sherlock Holmes of just like, yeah, we're gonna just make this mindless kind of action movie with just enough in it. That you know, people, you know, when you when you don't have when you're trying to decide on what to watch, yeah, put that in. That's eh, fine. You know, it's it's harmless. It's whatever. Yeah. Uh, I would say Edge of Tomorrow, but Edge of Tomorrow is like very good. It is not mindless. Like, Edge of Tomorrow is a very good movie. Uh, but yeah, like that type of movie where it's like, and I that's why I kind of say Ocean's Thirteen. Like Ocean's Ocean's Eleven has a has more to it in terms of like. They give you more of a reason to care. There are more stakes in Ocean's Eleven, but Ocean's Thirteen is so just like, hey, just have fun. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? You know. Um, well, 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 this. I, I'm just gonna say this is a. This to me just feels like a big black eye. I mean, it's a huge whiff. They put a ton of money into. Should have been thirty bucks. It should have been even... twenty or like it should have been twenty or less. I mean, but but here's the deal. This movie isn't all that great. And yeah. and th- trust me, this was made. This movie does not get made without the CCP approving the script. Okay, so well, yes, it doesn't get yes. made in China. No, 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 it doesn't get oh. shown. Oh, because to the moviegoers in China. in China, the billion four in China. Trust me, they they wanted Chinese folks to eat this shit up. And pay a bunch of money, and they and they have it, and they're not. I mean, it's like, yeah, it, it's not connecting with us at all, and that's a huge whiff. It's a huge. Well, trust me, this movie wasn't made for Americans. I mean, it was not made in the fashion it was made for the American audience. As a matter of fact, I would say no big budget picture is made for American audiences at this point. Um, um, hello, Top Gun. Yeah. What Top Gun Maverick? Or you're saying Top Gun was made for Americans? No, no, the changes that they made to Top Gun, where, uh, like, as an example, in the ori- in the original Top Gun, uh, on the back of the jacket that Tom Cruise wore, there was a Taiwanese flag or a Taipei flag, and that has since been changed. Oh, digitally what removed? No, they just no, wasn't even no, 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 no. In the new Top Gun that's coming out, oh, um, it's not there anymore. No, they changed it to a different flag, of course. Oh, well, I mean, I'm not going to say no movie, no big budget movie is, you know, because I think there are just movies that don't address anything like that that get released because it's just something totally different. You know, you know what I mean? I, 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 all, all I'm saying is that every yes, big, every big budget movie is being made to have international appeal. Yeah, because it's, and, and significantly movie, China because there's such a significant too expensive. If you look at like before 2000 and 
you could really say before the Dark Knight, honestly. But if you look at because the Dark Knight made a billion dollars, but if you look at like the big earners, with the exception of Titanic, obviously, um, and Avatar, could, Avatar, that was after Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. You know, keep up. Uh, so, it, like when you look at like the Tom Cruise, like Tom Cruise, number one star, number one box office star. His movies didn't make like nine hundred million dollars. Okay, you go and look at something like Minority Report. Minority Report made like four hundred million on a hundred and fifty million dollar budget. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was these very like yeah, it did great domestically and they made a profit, but they didn't make uh, like gangbusters. Okay, Minority Report three hundred fifty eight million uh, on a hundred and two million dollar budget. You know, like these movies weren't they were not getting like ten x. Or, or no, I shouldn't say 10x, like 7x, seven times their budget. It was like, if you got four times your budget, that was like huge. That was big, you know? And yes, every blue moon, you had a Jurassic Park, you had a Lion King, right? But mostly it was about getting the $400, $500 million film, uh, $400, $500 million gross on a $100 million film. Like that was it. Now it's trying to get the $1.3 billion movie on the $200 million uh, Oh, yeah. D- D- Disney, Disney, every movie, their expectation Swinging is for the fences. to make a billion dollars. Yeah. Like, they won't put in into their parks any yeah. IP anywhere unless the movie does at least a billion dollars worldwide. Well, it was just, it was that run they had. I mean, obviously, yes, I know they had a huge 2019, but that run that they had. For well, animated like, movie run, yeah. Well, yeah, but that run they had from like 12 to 16 when it was, not only was it Aven- Avengers hit a billion, right? That was, that was like a big thing. Avengers hits a billion. Iron Man 3 hits a billion. Avengers 2 hits a, bil- hits a billion. Civil War makes 1.2 and a half. Mm-hmm. Frozen, you know, makes a billion. Zootopia makes a billion. Um, Toy Story, well, Toy Story 3 was 2010, but that made a billion. Um, like, it was all these movies that was just started making a billion dollars. And that was like, everything became... You know, you're not going to see Queen of Katwe anymore. You remember Queen of Katwe? Hell no. What the hell was that? That was the, that was, it's actually a really good movie. Lupita Nyong'o, it's about, it's a Disney movie. It is literally about this uh, place in Africa where these girls are learning how to play chess and they're kind of discouraged from playing. It's Uganda. Um and these girls are learning how to play chess and they're kind of discouraged by like the males of the um, village they live in. And it's actually like a really nice movie made 10 million on a budget of 15 million. So it's like, you know, but it's, it's actually pretty good. It was really well reviewed and it just didn't, didn't do very well. Obviously, you know, they're not going to make a million dollar arm. If you remember that. Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. So and it's just, it's what the audience wants to see. But but what it's what's happening here is um, it is almost like you know, and it's weird because is does art does art create the culture or does art feed the culture? Because it's almost like art 
is trying to drive a global monoculture at this point because the stuff that's created, big stuff that's created, always have a, has a global view in mind. And that is where I'm like, okay, so. But it's one of those things where when you're trying to, when you're trying to please everyone, you don't please, you please no one. It's kind of like that. Well, well, and, and, and it comes, and then what you're creating is middling Drek. And, and I would say that Mulan, which was fine, but because it's trying to be everything to everyone, it can become middling direct. Yeah, because it's so generic. It's just like yes, it's just it's yes. There's nothing unique about it. Whereas you know, you take an IP and you really make it your own. Spider-Man into the Spider Verse, and you have something that is so vibrant in what it brings and how it makes you feel. Where it's like, yeah, it's Spider-Man, and we've had shitty Spider-Man movies, but that Spider-Man movie is. That's just a great movie because right. it has an attitude. It has a vibe. It has a personality. It has a well, soul. It didn't, it didn't try to like Sp- Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man Two had a global, yeah. um, had a global, pers- not global perspective. It was made with the idea that it has to appeal to so many people, and by doing so, it waters it down. So, yeah. so, so if you look back to like. You know the peak, the peak time in movies, um, in the last 50, 60 years. I mean, you could say the thirties was a peak time. It was the seventies, yeah. and 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 look and look at what that was. That was the the studio system ended, and I would say that a whole bunch of middling dreck was made in the late sixties. Doctor Doolittle with Rex Harrison. Okay, it was like it was like complete shit, but somehow it gets nominated for an Academy Award because. He, People got bought it. That shit you eat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then, so, and essentially no one wants to go to any movies. What was the thing um, in, uh, in, in our favorite guy who passed um, uh, Robert Evans, it talks about the movie, paint your wagon, um, how it was just, 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 just garbage. It was this big garbage musical or something like that. And so what happens in the seventies, you basically have these filmmakers come out, make their movie about what they want to make about um, and did not worry about broad mass appeal. They just said, no, I'm going to make this movie. And because the movie was so good, it had broad mass appeal. I mean, yeah, Godfather, you know, in 1972 makes $250 million. Right. But, but, but the thing about the Godfather is the Godfather is sort of like the ultimate movie because what what does it talk about? It talks about the, you know, the, you know, the, the protagonist becomes the antagonist and his change. It talks about how um, it's not the, so much the value of family. It talks yeah. about the uh, American capitalism. America, yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, and, so America. It's so about how the effect that America has on this family. Like, it's not just the fact that it's a mob family. It is the larger, Look at look at the effect of America and all of America's values with this Italian family and all of their values and how they either coalesce or how they conflict. Right, right. But but it's like Coppola says, "I'm gonna make my vision." And and here's the deal: like that beginning of that movie, like the first twenty minutes, 
I mean, that feels so real. I mean, it's like you're watching a documentary. It is the realest thing I've ever seen, right? I mean, it's the realest thing you'll ever see. It is literally like, I mean, and this is the part where when I... It couldn't be more French. No, no, not that. No, no, but it couldn't be more Italian than... The Goodfellas, Godfather kind of argument. Yes, I understand Goodfellas. It actually happened. But there is something about Goodfellas, whether it's, you know, the Rolling Stones music that Scorsese puts it, puts in all the music. It, it feels so Hollywood. It yeah, it's car- so- it, is, it is overly amped up, almost cartoonish yeah. sometimes, but and it then, still tells but, the story in effective but way. No, but, but there are very different. real things. Like, people love to talk about the razor blade cutting the onions in prison, how it's like, oh, God, that feels like such a personal, like, real thing. They're talking to Scorsese's mom, uh, who's playing... Uh, uh, Joe Pesci's mom in the movie and how like that conversation it's all basically improv it's just whatever like there are very real moments in that movie but I've said like whenever I turn on the first Godfather and the second Godfather to understand but the first Godfather it's like every scene feels so natural like the scene when there's when after uh, Vito gets shot and they're all sitting around wondering all right what's going to happen if he dies and you know, Sonny asks Tom, like, hey, what, what happens if the old man? He's like, well, if the old man passes, we lose half our contacts and all of oh. our pollu- and there's and it's so like, you know, dude, dude it's the- it's smaller, it's oh. smaller than that. It's it's the dude cooking, it's um Clemenza, Clemenza. cooking sauce while hey, yo, they're Mikey. talking about yeah, yeah, while they're why, talking why about like getting the gun me? or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or 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 like at the or at the wedding at the beginning where um, they're singing the song and the old man gets up and he screws up the words or, or whatever or something like that. It's all Italian. I have no idea what the hell they're saying because I don't speak Italian. But I'm just saying that that looked, that might as well have been a documentary. Guess what? That's not going to appeal. You know, a, a movie studio, a studio executive is going to, you know, your Jeffrey Katzenberg is going to be sitting back saying, yeah, I, I, I don't think that's going to work. When the reality is it connected incredibly well and then you have other movies like that from this i mean i don't want to get caught on that but you have things like uh the conversation and and jaws really connected what the cuckoo's nest and what, what uh, the cuckoo's nest chinatown um, chinatown for sure now. yeah yeah yeah, yeah you yeah. have all the president's men you have annie hall whatever you want to say about woody but, allen but but you but, have but, but chinatown chinatown is this chinatown's this fantastic movie though that's sort of like it's the story of California and it's a story of ridiculous, horrible people. And yeah. you know, the guy getting in over his neck or whatever. And, and it's like, wow, this is like, this is stuff. And on its face, a studio executive is saying, yeah, I don't know. How, how's this little movie about this, uh, this there- guy going to connect? And it does. And so where, and so how are big movie studios going to find, what I would say is like real art um, when well, all you're trying to do is feed this monoculture of the world. Right. You know? And that's where the argument about homogeneity gets in and everything becomes more of the same. And, and that's when like things that is like the death of creativity in a sense. Well, and like, but the other thing is like in, in those scenes, there is very like, again, I'll go back to the scene where they're discussing all this stuff where it is so it's not just they're talking about this like they're leaning back in the chair they're obviously just just spent you know the, the dude like tom he's got his you know the suspe- one suspenders like off all their mm-hmm. jackets are hanging mm-hmm. off the chairs 
Like, it just looks like they've just been there. Like, you know, hey, what, what the hell are we going to do? Like, it is so – there aren't all these cuts. It's not framed in such a way where it's like – it is framed as if you are leaning on the, uh, the door frame almost, just looking in, seeing what they're talking about. It is not framed like a camera from the top looking at the top of their heads as they do whatever. Like, it's not overly filmed. The scene where they're walking down the hallway in the um, – hospital to go see Jenko when Jenko's dying and like Fred uh, when Fredo kind of takes off his helmet and they're all just kind of looking at each other it's just very natural you don't see like oh that dude's walking he stops there because he obviously hits his mark it's not even like that it's just it just feels like you're just kind of seeing like a thing in somebody else's life type of like happens but and now everything just feels so produced where it's just like uh. yeah. and, and trust me not that all those Filmmakers in the seventies, they didn't make shit. Every, I mean, Coppola's made more shit bags and great movies by a mile, but his great stuff is like really, really good. Yeah. Um, but 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 that speaks to, okay, that broke the studio system. It broke sort of everything. And here are the movies because those movies are. were also making a lot of money. That was like let's just well, be well, let's just be real about it. Like if those movies didn't make like a lot love of money, story. <laughs> Love. What do you mean, love story? No, wait, wait. You mean the movies? Movies in the seventies made a ton of money. Those artsy movies, like The Godfather, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, yeah. Deer Hunter. Those movies yeah. also did make a lot of money. Yes, um, yes, yeah. But 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 it's all what, what's really terrible about it. Not terrible, but what happened is that you, that that would you know the California guys, the guys that came out of the film school, um, mm-hmm. you know. What happens is that uh, you have the Godfather that makes a ton of money, and that hits Godfather Two does really well. It's highly respected. Uh, Chinatown did pretty well. Are you are you going? And then Jaws. No, no, I'm going to Jaws. And then Jaws comes out, and then Jaws, great movie. You know, obviously Spielberg's what 27 or whatever when he makes it. But then that kicks off the blockbuster. But that kicks off what. uh... Oh yeah, Godfather made. Yeah, but that kicks off the blockbuster concept like that, and then all of a sudden Star Wars. Well, you have Star Wars, but then all of a sudden it's movie theaters or movie studios are just saying, "Well, I just want to find blockbusters," as compared to I want to find I want to I want to make great movies that could has the potential to scale. They're almost saying, "No, we're gonna." we're going to make movies that we know has a built-in audience that will immediately scale because and I mean, I guess about, the digital dynamics, you know, well, that's the thing. It's like Godfather makes 250 million. It's like, wow. Like big more movies like that. Then Jaws makes 400 or almost 500 million in 75. And it's like, that's more, make big more movies mm-hmm. like that. And I think star Wars just takes the lid off because in 1977, that movie makes 775 million dollars adjusted adjusted you mean Ooh, i don't think that's adjusted mm. uh i think it made it that was much. it was it it's only made 500 million domestic with all its re-releases i'd Hold say on. star wars 470 something i mean maybe globally it's up to 700 but um, i don't think it made 700 worldwide uh I mean, well, the next story, I'll, I'll look that up. But the yeah, next story is um, 
the Oscars, they announced these inclusion requirements in order to uh, be eligible for Best Picture. I think you're go. I think we're staying on the same track. But go ahead. Yeah, we're we're on this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it is just like the reason this pisses me off is because it it this is like an official. Hey, it doesn't matter how talented you are anymore. Almost, almost. It, it's not that clear cut, but it is like. This is, death, is so, this is the death knell of the academy, as, taken as what it's taken seriously as what it's historically been. Yes, yeah, yes. Um, and I think a lot of that also happened when Green Book won. But yeah, this is. Um, but but essentially, though, if you look at who's won Best Picture in the last handful of years, the they've chosen movies that are played by these rules. Um, between Moonlight, Green Book. Um, the thing about Moonlight, though, Moonlight is actually a very good movie. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm not saying it no, wasn't. No, I'm just. I'm, I'm saying. Well, what I'm saying is like, look, I understand. There, there is, there are movies that win Best Picture, and you could probably say, and eh, that movie probably shouldn't have won, but you could see how it's worthy of winning Best Picture. Like, I get it though. Coen like, Brothers will never. Coen Brothers will never win Best Picture again. Oh no, no, they won't. Um, uh, not that he's of an age to do it, but I mean, not that he would probably do it again because too old. Scorsese will never win Best Picture again. No, no, because but the, that's the thing. Quentin, he's great. Quentin Tarantino. Not that he's going to make a ton more movies. He'll never. Uh, he'll probably be nominated for Best Picture again. I mean, he. Well, these standards. So I'll, I'll kind of run. I'll run through them as best I can. So basically, there are like four sections that a movie has to has to meet at least two of these four sections in order to be nominated for Best Picture. So number one, on-screen represent, representation themes and narratives. So they have to just meet one of these criteria. So at least one of the lead actors or significant supporting actors is from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. Asian, Hispanic, Black, African-American... Uh, indigenous Native American, Native Hawaiian, Middle Eastern, North African. General ensemble cast. At least 30% of the actors in secondary and more minor roles are from at least two of the following underrepresented groups, women, racial, or ethnic group. Main storyline has to be centered on underrepresented group. Uh, Main main storyline has to be centered on. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, So standard B, creative leadership and project team. This is where... Tarantino, Scorsese, these are where a lot of these guys. I think Tarantino probably do. Well, no, I don't know. Two of the four. Two of two of the four. Right. So they don't have to meet this if they meet at least two of the other ones. At least two of the following creative leadership positions and department heads, casting director, cinematographer, composer, costume designer, etc., VFX supervisor, writer, from the following underrepresented groups: women, racial, ethnic group, LGBTQ plus. Um at least one of those positions must belong to the following underrepresented racial ethnic group, Asian, Hispanic, Black, other key roles, at least six other crew slash team and technical positions from an underrepresented racial ethnic group. These positions include, but are not limited to first AD, assistant director, gaffer, script supervisor, overall crew composition. At least 30% of the film's crew is from the following. So that's one standard. Standard C, industry access and opportunities. Film's distribution or financing company has paid apprenticeships or internships that are from the following underrepresented groups and satisfy the criteria below. I mean, 
so that's a standard D, audience development. To achieve standard D, the film must meet the criteria below. Representation of marketing, publicity, and dis distribution. Studio, studio or film company has multiple in-house senior executives from among the following underrepresented groups. We've already mentioned them. And so that's the last one. And they have to so, meet two of those four. So, so the best business, if you want to break into the film business right now, the best thing you can do is become a consultant to movie theater companies to see what you can do. Say, I'm going to be the one to certify um, yeah. you. I'm going yeah. to give you certification that you qualify. And that's not only the case in the film business. That's going to be in the case. That is everything. Because everything is going to need a stamp of approval from a certification board saying that this is acceptable um, for whatever. We've been here before, people. Okay, we've been here before. Um, I, I'm, I'm, and and my takeaway, my net takeaway is okay, fine. Um, you know, big. There's still going to be excellent movies that are going to be made, and and the winners of all these, um, you know, the winners of stuff. They're all going to be fine movies. They're all going to be great, but but essentially, a movie is going to be is essentially there's going to become a certification squad that's going to roll out of this, that's going to stamp something as to whether they are Oscar uh, worthy and, or not. And, and what defines a movie as Oscar worthy in the future is, is going to mean very different things from what it may have meant 10 years ago. I, this is the, this will lead to one of the things I don't like about movies that have predominantly black cast is normally they are about, normally they are about suffering. They're about slavery. They're about civil rights. It's all about. What are you talking about? It is, I'm saying majority, a lot of black, majority Tyler, black cast. You're forgetting Tyler Perry movies here. So don't. Don't they don't. They don't talk about black people getting held down by the man. They don't talk about that. I don't know. Okay. Medea doesn't so, really talk about that. That. So, much. anyways. So, anyways. Um. So, like, that's an issue I've had, and I'm not saying I don't want those movies. I just don't want every movie that has a predominantly black cast to be like that. It's one of the reasons why I really appreciate Think Like a Man. Uh, is it a great movie? No, but I just hey. It's just a rom-com with a predominantly black cast. That's all it is. And that's, that's all it will be. So this is, I think it's just, it's going to turn into just about these, we're just going to have a bunch of these movies that talks about how hard it is to be one of these underrepresented groups. And I'm not saying it's not hard. I just, you're just going to get the same type of movie over and over again. And yeah, that's why I think it's just, the Oscars are just not going to be taken seriously after this, which is probably for the best, honestly. Um, but uh, I, I, listen, listen, you need to go back. I mean, everyone needs to. The, the entertainment business speaks to how they're on, how they are so the right thinkers. And if you look at the folks that run the entertainment business, I mean, let's let's look at some of the people that have run the entertainment business and what's gone down in the past. Uh, Ron Meyer, 
Harvey Weinstein, et cetera, et cetera. Um, these are not exactly people of high character. I, no. I would also hearken everyone back to what Ricky Gervais said at the last Golden Globes. The, the, um, the uh, I want to find what he said. What, if ISIS made a movie or something, yep. you'd be calling your agent? Yep. Golden Globes. <laughs> I'm getting yeah. it here. I mean, I can hold on. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pull that up right now. If ISIS had a streaming service, you'd be calling your agents. There you go. You're, in a particularly blunt moment, Gervais advised those receiving awards to avoid making political speeches because you're in no position you're in no position to the public about anything before adding, if you win, come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your God, and uh, F off. F off, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just saying. Well, yeah, this, so, this you is say, so you right. say you're woke, but the companies you work for, Apple, Amazon, Disney, if ISIS had a streaming service, you would be calling your agents. Yeah. And that's that's it in a in a in a nutshell. Yeah, because Apple yes. roared into the TV game with the morning show, a super, a superb drama about the importance of dignity and doing the right thing, made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. And this goes back to the whole cancel culture thing that I talked about, where it's like you want to call out these companies, that's fine. You're gonna buy a fucking iPhone in two years. What are you, you what are you talking about? I, I, I so what's gonna happen is. Um, you know, if you, there's a lot of best picture winners that have minuscule budgets that did not do much in the, the did, did not do much in the way of box office. What was the silent movie? I mean, Moonlight, Moonlight, Moonlight had a small budget, probably made a lot more money yeah, after it won Moonlight best picture. Moonlight was made for one and a half million. It made like 70 million. So right, right. But, but most of it, I would, I would submit to you that most of yeah, before the money won, was made after it was at least nominated. Yeah, before um, it won, it probably made like twenty five million. After it made another like fifty. Right. So, uh, so the artist was are... made. For, yeah. yeah, the artist yeah. was made for fifteen million. It made one thirty three. I mean, so so there there are tiny budgets that are out there. All I know is coming out of this, the meaning of Oscar nominated or whatever. It's really going to mean you were able to check a lot of. Con- it's it's going to the fact that a bunch of consultancy checkboxes were checked off um, is going to water down uh, its meaning because, because ultimately if you go back to what happened in the late sixties, when stuff was made for the masses and you were, and you were trying to check off a lot of boxes in that the folks that broke the mold were the people said, ah, screw it. I'm just going to make this. And, and they just made it. Yep. And a lot of the teams that these guys work with, Scorsese, Tarantino, Nolan, it's just they work with like the same guy. So I think in a sense, in some cases, you're going to tell them that they need to hire like these different guys because they need to check again, like you said, check these boxes. But no, no, you're just going to have you're going to have production houses say, I don't give a damn if this gets nominated or or not. I know this movie is going to do well and we're going to do it. It doesn't matter if it's nominated or not. And, and this gets back to, listen, if you look at sort of the Oscar travesties that were, that were out there because of the um, woke check marks, you know, 
for 1990, as great a movie as Goodfellas was, Dances with Wolves <laughs> won Best Picture. Right. Um, I, I wonder. One over Shawshank. Yeah, yeah, but but I mean, I wonder how crash, many pe- how many people beat how many people under the age of thirty have seen Dances with Wolves. What's the percentage of people who've seen Dances with Wolves relative to Goodfellas? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, so many more people have seen Goodfellas. The the movie, you know, everybody knows like whatever whatever movie lives on, that is the movie. You know, it's like the Wicked Avenue Q thing. Uh, with the Tonys. Oh, yeah, right. Right, right, right. Wicked has, his, you know, has went on and has went on and got all of its popularity and everything. And Avenue Q just kind of didn't have the same, uh, didn't have the same legs in a sense. But anyway, I mean, I don't know. Was there... I don't know. Forrest Gump not only beat Shawshank Redemption, it also beat Pulp Fiction. (laughs) Yeah, but that's like the indie argument. Like if a movie is too indie, will it win? Although Moonlight seemed to buck that trend. Um, uh, so, uh, and uh, but, Citizen Kane lost to How Green Was My Valley, but whatever. We, you know, we talked about Citizen Kane enough last last episode. So yeah. So the last story I have, I like to finish things on the lighter side. Um, <laughs> Fast and Furious Nine. That's a Simpsons movie reference. Uh. Fast and Furious 9, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. I think we've all been waiting for this. Dominic Toretto is going into space, everybody. So, so I have not, I, I've read a little bit. I have not seen how it's going into space. But, uh, I mean, if that's I mean, the case, this is the Moonraker of James Bond movies then, right? I, mean, this I is... guess. Uh, you mean the Moonraker of Fast and Furious movies? Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Yeah, I mean, because everybody was like, it was basically an arms race between the Fast franchise and the Mission Impossible franchise slash whatever Tom Cruise was going to do, right? It, it was like, who's going to get there first? And it looks like to space? Fast 9 is going to space first. So so, so I read I mean, who... Tom Cruise has literally talked about go, like literally going to space and filming there. Like, he's... Because he's kind of crazy. Of course um, he would be. So, but I'm just in terms of like those franchises, it's like Fast and Furious is this street racing franchise. Tommy Trejo's going to space. Mission Impossible went from being kind of like the like the American James Bond almost, almost not really because they have like a team and they might go to space. It's just it's it's crazy. It, Fast and Furious was about guys. It was a Point Break ripoff. Fencing, stealing, and fencing a bunch of TV VCR combinations, right? I mean, that's what it was. Yeah. It was truckloads of TV VCR combos. That was yeah. that was Fast and the Furious. Yep. And now they are. They so, are like they are the Black Ops team contracted by the United States government, so they retain plausible deniability. Yes, that is what yes. they are now. Yes, yes. Okay, it's so all about, it's all about family and, and so, ride or die and all. Okay, that so stuff. hold on. So, so I'm reading. <laughs> hang on one second. I'm going to read the official description of this movie. Okay, Dominic Toretto is leading a quiet life off the grid. With Letty and his son, little Brian, but they know that danger always lurks just over their peaceful horizon. This time, 
that threat will force Dom to confront the sins of his past if he's going to save Isn't he those. Confront- oh, yeah. This is the one that his, his brother. Stop. I'm reading. Uh, hold on, hold on. He, his crews joined together to stop a world-shattering plot led by the most skilled assassin. Not a skilled, the most skilled assassin and high-performance driver they've ever encountered. A man who also happens to be Dom's forsaken brother, Jacob, Jacob with a K, of course, oh, who is being coerced by, by previous enemy, Cybertarist Cypher. Now, you know this movie reeks quality when that most skilled assassin and high-performance driver, Jacob, Dom's forsaken brother, is played by John the, the world-renowned actor. That's right. John Cena, everybody. (laughs) 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 Because when you think, when you think, like, man, he's, we're ramping it up to 11 here. You know, method, really digging into the, Uh, yeah, broken, give me broken glass. John Cena. Yeah. So, so, so this is, you know, Dom's and brother, then, he must have been show, fors- forsaken as hell yeah. because he's had eight other movies in which he could have potentially looped him in. Exactly, yeah. Where the hell? Really I mean, bad. he's all into family. It's all about family. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, now, you know, now. They John added Cena. a female writer, so Michelle Rodriguez is happy. Uh, you know, she was all like, I don't think I'm going to come back if, you know, they don't start treating a the female characters better and it's like really because uh i don't really know what else you're in what else like i don't know what other movies are like demanding your michelle michelle your ass your character's ass was dead okay they brought you back that feels like they treated you pretty effing well okay you're getting a check and besides hold on hold on hold on treat their female characters better it's fast and the furious okay yeah we are not. We are not talking about. We're talking about. We're talking about a film series where they go to a drag race in London, and it's a drag race. It's illegal, right? No, they got a outdoor club. They got stripper poles. They got nines and tens just wrapping their legs around this thing, scantily clad. They got a DJ with turntables. Yeah, yeah nines on bat. Like. Like the nines are in the back hiding. I mean, they're all yeah, like tens. Yeah. But it's just like where, like where is where are the British police at? You know, the bobbies. Like, yeah, like what? You know, they, they're going. It's a damn. It's the Roxbury outside. So, so hold on. So hold on. So, so hold on. Hold on. So she said, "We're going to bring in some female writers." A yeah. writer for the Fast and Furious script, okay? Yeah, the, I know, right? Like, 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 like this is fast. This is Fast and Furious, okay? This is not a Jonathan Franzen fucking novel, okay? This is not the corrections, okay? I mean, stop, stop. Well, it's like okay. I just remember Fast watching, and Furious when we were watching uh, Fate of the Furious because the eighth one, F eight. I, why didn't why didn't they call this like Furious Fine or something or Fine Furious or something? It's F nine, right? But no, it's F eight, so Fate of the Furious. So, so this is F nine and not 
fine. Yes, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, so I'm looking at the color. I like the color scheme: yellow, blue, black, green, red. What's what's going on there on this poster? I mean, I just I don't know. I just no, no, no. So and there's no rock. So there's no rock in this. No, because he's doing Hobbs and Shaw. But really, it's because uh, the Rock and Vin Diesel don't get along. Um, But so oh, you know what? At least Bow Wow's working. Bow Wow's in it. Bow Wow's in it. And 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 um what's his face is in it. Um Who, the Rock? Uh oh no. I, I thought um um who who's the guy in Hobbs and Shaw? Not the Rock, but the other dude. Oh, I Stanton? thought he was in No, he's not in it. Okay. So but I remember we're watching Fate of the Furious and there's that opening scene where he has a beat up old VW Beetle. And he's like stripping it all, stripping all this stuff away so it's lighter. And he, you know, he beats this guy with like a 2015, you know, race car somehow because he's he's Dominic Toretto. He's basically the second coming of Jesus. And it's like, so he's like, you know, car for car, they're going to race because the only reason Dom's racing is because his like nephew or his cousin slept with the dude's wife and now he wants to kill him or something like ah race me because that's a fair trade (laughs) and it's like okay so they're racing so they're racing he wins and the guy's like you know you have my car and my respect he's like keep your car because all i wanted was your respect or like that's what i really wanted was your respect and i remember you leaned over i'm like and you're like this script just writes itself (laughs) and it's just like like oh god like those movies are just like i'll be there oh like day one obviously just just to because you gotta see it you you, just so you can be part of the conversation like can you be can you believe how dumb these movies are getting but it's also just like no 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 hold on on. I, i have i'm a little more optimistic here because they're pulling in some heavy heavyweight actors i mean obviously so helen mirren is back in it which is good. Well, her, she's a, her she son. said she she's always wanted to be in it. But she, but no, no, it. no. But there's another heavyweight actor that I think is really gonna give it a bunch of credibility. Uh, there's Lewis. a character named no, there's a character named Lisa who is gonna be played by Cardi B. So oh, it, it's this is gonna it, it just it screams quality. This is this is gonna be You know she's gonna call somebody a pussy in it, right? It's, <laughs> or she's gonna talk or she's gonna talk about her own pussy. Or I, I'm, I, I guess she's, is she doing the title song to Fast Nine now? And is that, oh my is that, God. Is, well, that, like is she going to, yeah, stuff? it's like James Bond instead of like, um, what's her face? Um, I don't know who's, who's doing, who's, who's, who's the, who's the creepy broad who's doing the one, um, for No for Time this, to Die? Yeah. Billy Eilish, isn't she doing it? Yeah. I see a picture of her. I'm just like, what's so What's wrong she's with her? A, she she's talented. Well, so is Car- I think Cardi B's talented too. But like, yeah, she, she the reason she wears the baggy clothes is the whole thing about body image. She doesn't want to be sexualized, all this other stuff. But she actually has a pretty good point about that because in a concert of hers, she had this video where she like she took off her it, like she had a tank top under her shirt, but she took off her shirt, and all these people were like going crazy, and it was like that's the stuff she was like talking about. So like she actually made a pretty good point. Plus, I don't know. Don't... But why did she? Why did she just come off like in in like just pictures of her? She just seems like she's 
eternally depressed. I mean, she just seems like I, um, I, I, she, I, I, I regret, like... I regret the amount of fame I have. I mean, she, she almost is like not happy with where she's at with it all. I think she has like Tourette's. Uh, yeah, she suffers from Tourette's, depression, experiences synesthesia, raised as a vegetarian, and regularly advocates veganism. So I'm sure she is just. A well, no wonder she's depressed. Jesus. Uh, um. No, but oh god, Cardi B is in it. Oh my god, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Um, it's gonna be so. But and you know, I know Anne is all over. Nope, we're seeing that. We're gonna see that shit the day it opens. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. Could, could it be you, more? You, listen, will this be more cartoonishly ridiculous with all these sort of family whatever stuff? Then I don't uh, have friends. I have family. And I'm then like, I could have wrote this fucking script. No, no, no. Then like Hobbs, then like Hobbs and Shaw, because you know, you see where this is going because Jacob is controlled and coerced by Cypher. Jacob sets free, and then oh, it's yeah. then it's John Cena and Vin Diesel, who's like kind of like I mean, Vin Diesel's kind of like Getting he's fat. like yeah, I mean it's like this 5'8", 220. 50 year old dude it's like this guy i mean is this guy like superman i'm just like he's <laughs> and then like all, all i don't know john cena's all his other movies all his other movies you know uh was what was the you know he did triple x return of xander cage the last witch hunter he just did that blood what was it blood spot move whatever it's called i forget what it's called um hold on uh, blood, bloodshot. He just did that. That didn't do well. I don't understand how he keeps getting like these other movies. I don't get it. It's like yes, the Fast and Furious franchise works for some reason. That doesn't mean he's gonna work in all these. Oh my god, he's gonna be in Avatar two and three. <laughs> oh my god. But wait, as as a what? I mean, I mean here, I mean because here's the deal. I mean, he worked fine in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians only have one word insane. to say. You know what I mean? I am Groot. Yeah, I mean, I, am I, am I mean, and so that's a CGI movie. So, you know, I, I, I can see him being okay. Remember the dude in Avatar who was like the head chief then, or something like that. And and Stephen and Lang. No, 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 no. Of the of the the of the, the Navi. Yes, I was going to say the tribe, but the Navi. Yeah, and it's like that dude. That dude's like a relatively well-known actor for what he was. I don't know if he's still alive or not. Who was it? I don't even. Ah, if you see him, he's he's one of those guys that you'd recognize, you know. But but uh, it's like you know he might be some other sort of lead, tribal leader sort of dude. Wes Studi. Yeah, but yeah, but I don't, I don't know who. But, I don't. No, nah, just Google his picture. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, I've seen. Him. Yeah, I see him. I I don't know who he is. Okay, well he's been he's been in movies. He's, he's just a character Wolves, guy. Last of the Mohicans. Cherokee American actor, okay. Yeah, but uh, thank you. He's in Dances with Wolves. He's one of the main parts of Dances with Wolves. Thank you for proving my point. You've not seen the best picture of 1990 or 91, Dances with Wolves. So it's like, you know, I mean, people would recognize him that are of a certain age. So maybe he's like playing some other sort of Uh, Maybe he's just like one of these Navi and one of these like throwaway comedic scenes where he gets kicked in the nuts or something. That'd be great. (laughs) Um, But but, hey, hang on. But you actually think Avatar? Hang on. You actually think Avatar Two is coming out? I mean, that movie's been coming out for ten years. Dad, you know they started filming it, right? 
When's it coming out? When's it coming out? You know, uh, around the corner somewhere. I'll be on Social Security. (laughs) My balls will be dragging across the floor. Uh, As As if they aren't already. Oh God, ew. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so that was the so last fast time fast around. nine April second, twenty twenty one. So that is literally kicking Marking off summer summer blockbuster season starts with Fast and Furious nine. Things change now that I'm a father. I can't live my life a quarter mile at a time anymore. That's the quote from Dominic Toretto. Oh Jesus Christ. Um. So anyways. what's great, what's great on the Fast and Furious wiki that's out there, they have all the cast, the plot pending, summary pending, and under the cast of um, 15 people, of which Cardi B brings up the bottom of it, the next piece is featured cars. There will be a 2020 Toyota Supra, a 1970 a Dodge Charger, <laughs> A Jaguar XCSV Project 8 2019. Okay. Okay. I think we've had enough Fast and Furious talk for maybe the rest of the rest of time. Oh, oh my God. By the way, Avatar 2, December 16th, 2022. Budget $400 million. Because it's all getting filmed back to back to back. Well, um, back to back to back. So wait, is it are they filmed two, three, four, five or two, three? I, I honestly don't know. The other release dates, December 20th, 2024, December 18th, 2026, December 22nd, 2028. Now, okay, now, now I'm going to, now, <laughs> Sam, is Sam Worthington in that movie? Yeah. Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana, Stephen, Stephen Lang is not a young man. Stephen Lang, Giovanni Ribisi, thank God, Joel David Moore, Dilip Rouse, CCH Pounder, Matt Gerald, Sigourney Weaver. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You want, to, you want to talk about someone who's not that young? I mean, Zoe Saldana is 42. She's going to be making these movies I'm talking for the next 10 when, years? When she's 50. I'm talking about death, dad. Like oh, Stephen yeah, Lang no. Is, well, well, I'm Stephen not talk- Lang is like 68. Yeah, now. but I think Stephen Lang takes care of himself relatively oh, well. Oh, yeah, he does. He, does. I mean, he He's the guy who wanted to be, um, what's his face? Cable. Cable. The greatest cable, yeah. yeah. I know. But I mean, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you're gonna have Zoe Saldana at 50. I mean, and I know she's it's all CGI and it's just her face for the most part and stuff. But I'm just like, okay, well, she does performance capture. They just got all the dots on her. She's gonna be doing physical stuff just on a soundstage. I'm just like, girl, you're gonna be 50. You're gonna be 50. Yeah, right. I, you know, she'll be fine. Um, because she is fine. Um, yeah, agreed, agreed. So. Uh, some of the stuff I watched this past week, Ocean's Eleven was on HBO Max. Watch that. Uh, ah, you squeeze it in again, huh? Yeah, Ocean's Eleven. I hadn't seen Eleven in a while. I had seen Thirteen, but Eleven was it had been a little bit. Uh, I saw uh, Going the Distance. I saw uh, what was the other one I saw? Um, Wedding Crashers. I watched that a couple days ago. Man, I forgot how great that movie is. That movie is like, God, there are just levels of genius to that movie. And a lot of it, I mean, it's Vince Vaughn, uh, the football yeah, scene. So so much of it is Vince Vaughn. Yeah, so much of it is just, you know, whether it's the motorboat, you know, you know, what they no, built him, the speeder for coming. Him talking, to, him talking to the minister is the best part of the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, and I'll just be honest, this broad is fit for a straight jacket, all right? 
you know, she's 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 just gone, you know. But guess what? Maybe I'm a little fucked in the head. You ever think of that? <laughs> okay, okay. We've seen the movie, okay? We've seen the movie. No, it's a great if you haven't seen Wedding Crashers, oh my god, do yourself a favor. Um uh the boys episode four. Um Oh yeah, out. what'd you think of the boys episode four? What do you think of that? I think my prediction was right on the money. I think that she that one girl has lived forever um and she is probably the kid of the nazi dude um yeah i i'm i i was wondering if uh starlight or whatever is running some angle on huey um or if she was legitimately like no i want to get out of there i could not tell like if she was playing with him or not. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I think she I was just doing it to protect him. Um, but I, it's, the it, line, it, is, it, it is going where I completely expected it to go. The line that Sorford had about it's like, you don't need 50 million people to like you. You just need 5 million soldiers or warriors like ready to die for you. I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good... I mean, it's a little extreme to the point of like, having that vocal minority a little bit uh, that you see in social media where it's like, yeah, if you just have this large enough group that really isn't that big, that's just always shouting. People are going to think they're bigger than they are. Um, There's that. uh... And and the subversive element of just her, her being this sort of hipster talking back chick from Portland. Um, so people think she's super progressive when she's really yes young. yes when she's not and that is um, that is such a that that is a interesting commentary on society today because um, it's probably calling a lot of people out on their own, on their own bullshit that yeah like, a lot of people I know don't what hear. you're referring to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, Laz Alonzo doing, you said, uh, he's, uh, he, he's doing Denzel better than Denzel right now. Yeah. He, um, he, he is Denzel Washington completely. Yeah. You know, uh, although the thing about his OCD, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, yeah. You know, he taps the wheel three times. He stirs his coffee three times. He has well, wet wipes on him. Well, um, he's, he's always been hyper meticulous about everything. Yeah. Going back to the first season. Yeah, uh, Billy Butcher calling uh, his wife's son a soup freak. And it was like, yep, waiting for that. I was waiting for that one. Waiting for that one. We still, um, so the setup was Homelander raped her. Yes. Yet, it, but how how that all played out, though, it's, it's still murky, right? I mean, yeah. The math so like, of that. The thing is, in the comics, she was raped and killed. Like she's dead in the comics. So her being alive right now is new. And I know, I know the big thing in the comics, um, like the big big thing in the comics. So I'm kind of interested how this is going to play out. Um, okay. Well, don't, don't, yeah. No, I'm fine. not going to say anything. I know you don't know. Um, so there's that, but that, I mean, that's not, I don't think that's going to be touched on the, this season. Um, 
but uh hey yeah. we saw uh so uh, we saw christopher robin on disney oh i saw unpregnant on hbo max um, yeah how how was christopher robin though it it has it has that's the one with ewan mcgregor right yeah it's it, there's some paddington vibes kind of happening to it paddington it is, is amazing yeah yeah um it, it is it is as schmaltzy as you think it probably is 75 million. There there are some very fun there are some pretty funny parts to it. If you there's so many uh actors in it that are that do voice or even face are just like hey, hey um the uh, the uh who's the bald actor from the thick of it who is the uh conservative party political guru who wants um Peter the he plays. But he, he was the um. He's the one who uh, Ricky Gervais' character in the office plays the guitar. He's trying to run. Yeah. The yes. Yeah. So yeah, he yeah, plays yeah. like a nosy neighbor. Uh, Peter Capaldi is the voice of Rabbit. Um. There's a lot of like. Uh, there's just a lot of like. Hey. Okay. This is this. Is all right. And who who is um. Uh. Is it Haley Atwell? Is like. Um, yeah. You know. So she's Christopher's uh, wife. Yeah, Christopher's wife. It's it's cute. It's fine. It's pretty good for kids, but it certainly has the don't work so hard as an adult. The, the, there's the, if you ever saw Hook, it's like, you know, it used to be fun when you're a kid, but you're just too serious because you work too much. And so yeah. breathe and take a step, which is like so many kids movies. It's like, hey, adults, we've created a movie to make you feel guilty about providing for your family. So there's that aspect. Um, that's like, okay, yeah, we get it because you really can't make a movie about anything else other than kids that are turned into adults and they've lost the will, you know, ability to enjoy life. That that said, um, it's like, it's fine. It's, it's cute, but it's, I mean, you want to talk about a script that writes itself. Holy shit. I mean, <laughs> it's, it is, it is, well, there's nothing you can't see coming. Tom McCarthy was a co-writer on it. He did, uh, he did spotlight. Allison Schroeder was a co-writer. She co-wrote Hidden Figures. I mean, they had some pretty good writers on it. Yeah, well, and, uh, and I'm, I'm not saying it's bad, but it is it is right you, down you know Broadway. Di- you know who directed it? No, who? Mark Forster, who directed Monsters Ball and... Uh, <laughs> you know, Monsters Ball... Monsters Ball and Christopher Robin, they're pretty much the same movie. Yeah, same same movie. Quantum of Solace as well. So I mean Mon- Monsters Ball to Christopher Robin? Damn. Okay. Yeah, Monsters I mean, hey, Monsters Ball makes adults happy. Christopher Robin makes adults happy. It's you know, it is what it is. It's it's uh, um it's 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 all right. It is the, so the doll, so the dolls are in it, but they are the gunned yeah, style dolls and not the uh, traditional uber colory, you know, yeah. late early seventies Winnie the Pooh style. So, good place. Um, so I saw this movie. I, I, on, I, 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 yeah, I will tell you though. I, I'll tell you Winnie the Pooh. I mean, they made Winnie the Pooh like dumber than he normally is. I mean, he's like he's like. <laughs> A retar- I'm sorry, a special needs child almost. <laughs> if you watch it, and I'm just like, damn. I mean, he's just like this guy. I mean, Winnie the Pooh was always, yes, the silly old bear. Is but he it's dumb like, or is he like naive? No, no, because naive, you have to, you have to be worldly enough to know what's going on. 
I mean, he's dumb to the point of, I didn't know I had feet. I mean, it's stuff like that. Oh. He doesn't say that, but it's like, really? And he just talks in circles. I'm just like, what? I mean, this is like, and it's fine because some, some of it's funny, but it's just a little sort of, you know. Okay. Gotcha. Anyway, anyway. Because <laughs> okay. there's also the goodbye Christopher Robin movie with Margot Robbie and uh, and Donald Gleason, which is like more of a British production, um, not made by Disney. That's that's that goes into like a Milne's life and all this other stuff. Um, but I did see this movie Unpregnant on HBO Max. Have you heard about this movie or no? It actually just released on HBO Max. No, I haven't. Um, it's about this girl in high school who gets pregnant and she lives in Missouri and she's 17 and she discovers she can't have an abortion in Missouri unless she has her parents permission. And the closest place she can go to get a abortion is Albuquerque, New Mexico. So she sets off. It's like, what, a year? Bloody... what, what year is this? It's 2020. What are you talking about? Oh, it's not filmed in, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it takes place in modern time. Yeah. Okay. And so like, her like former best friend they kind of fell off she has a car and it's kind of like a buddy road movie uh and they drive they're driving to albuquerque so she can get an abortion basically um and uh the girl in it Haley lou richardson she was in edge of 17 she was in split um she's she like disney channel girl but she was she's actually really good in it. She's it, it was a it was a solid, solid movie. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito's in it for like ten minutes. He's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely has uh, a, an agenda. Not saying it's that's a bad thing. Um, but they kind of take like a scene to basically talk about. Oh, it's ridiculous that I can't go to that I can't just have an abortion here in Missouri, da, 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 da. And they basically just take a scene to take a scene to talk about how awful that is, which is, Hey, you know, say what you want to say. It's your movie. Um, but yeah, it was, I was kind of surprised like how good it was. What? <laughs> What'd you say? No, no, no. I, I could comment about it. Uh, if, 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 if any writers had balls, they would have had a scene that said, Hey, kill your baby. But don't act uh, like. But don't act like it's. It's just like an appendage that does. That's not like alive. But go ahead. If you don't kill your baby, kill your baby. Anyway. Yeah. So, anyways. <laughs> uh, so but it was interesting seeing like the Warner Max logo because it was specifically produced for HBO Max and like there's they have a specific logo for Warner Max. So instead of WB, it's WM, and the same little. So it was not made for HBO. It's made for yeah, it's made for HBO a Max. streaming service production. Uh-huh. Yep. So that I just thought that was uh that was interesting. Brecken Meyer is in it. You know Brecken Meyer? Uh Road Trip, among other things, right? Yeah, Road Trip, Rat Race. Yeah, I mean uh, he's like he's speaking of he's gotta be fifty, right? I mean he's he's like Yeah, I think he's like forty seven. But he plays the husband of this very conservative religious couple. And it is like, because, and, and, it, and it kind of goes into this like wacky, wacky side almost, where it's like the movie's pretty like straight. Like it's pretty like, okay, like normal. And then they encounter this couple and it turns into like, 
it almost turns into like this pseudo horror type of thing. Really? Um, yeah, not like real horror, not like you're genuinely scared. Just like they're just really creepy, and it's like, okay, what that? What's going on right now? Um, like it gets very kind of like Harold and Kumar almost. Just like is it played for laughs? It plays for laughs. Yeah, it's played for laughs, but it's just very wacky. Where all the other jokes in it are kind of in the realm of reality, like, and then this other thing kind of happens, and it's like, oh, well, that kind of came out of left field a little bit. But yeah, if uh, you haven't seen it and you have HBO Max, go watch uh, go watch Unpregnant without her parents' permission. That's what it is. Yeah, I'm I'm like, oh no, I thought it was. She just can't. So she has to make a road trip there. Okay. Yeah, without her parents' permission. Because she's 17. So, yeah. But uh, I think we covered a lot of ground. Probably too much Fast and Furious talk, but I think that's fine. Mm, There's no such thing. (laughs) You know, you can't get none more more Fast and Furious talk. Uh, let's, Let's just promise that we won't talk about it until after the movie comes out. Yeah, that's fine. Unless we're just talking about from like a, how ridiculous it is, we might talk about economics and release strategy or something like that. But. Yeah, well, well, we definitely got to talk about Cardi B's performance and if the female writer that Michelle Rodriguez wanted so much, if she, if if that really made a difference, because no, sure, no, no, I'm sure it will. No, no, yeah. it, it it may not be that it makes a difference, but it will be so in your face. The 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 writer, like the, the writer that she did, right? The right, yes, the writer. You will literally be able to tell that scene that that person contributed to the right. Oh, exactly. This is there. What it is. Yep. Yep. That's uh, it. That's it. That's where you do the Peter. Done. <laughs> uh, okay. So if you like the podcast, because we got like two more minutes before this cuts off, if you like the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends and family about it. Spread the word. That'd be awesome. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at the all around the dot all dot around uh, on Twitter at the underscore all underscore around. Uh, yeah. Also at GA Thomas 33 on Twitter or at GA Thomas 35 on Instagram. Dad, you can take us out, I guess. Uh, at Jim at the bank. Deuces. All right. Peace. Thank you.